0: Before we start, I just want you to have a think about um, whether you've had a day where it's just been totally unexpected. The kind of day where you sort of get to the end of the day and you reflect and just think, I did not expect any of that to happen. So when I was younger, I really loved Ed Sheeran. And when I say younger, I mean 17, like it was quite sad. Um, And my friends, friends and family surprised me with tickets to go and see one of his shows. So I had no idea I was getting these tickets. I also had no idea that they got me front row tickets. So I was literally at the barrier of Ed Sheeran. Um, and we had the best time. It was amazing, Stephen, trust me. LAUGHTER <laughs> um, and I had, like, an amazing time, and there was, like, a bit of a lull in in the show, and I don't know what came over me, but I said to my 17-year-old self, said to my friends, should I, like, shout and tell Ed Sheeran that I love him? And they were all like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it. So, like, when there was a quiet moment, I just, and I'm quite tall, so I genuinely, like, physically stood out. I was like, Ed Sheeran! I love you and um, he like paused and heard it and laughed and said thanks and I was like that is my claim to fame Ed Sheeran heard me declare my love to him and so I had an amazing time I got to the end of the day and I was just thinking I expected none of this to be happening today didn't know I was going to get to go to the concert didn't know I was going to be front row didn't know I was going to get to declare my love to Ed Sheeran you know maybe I could have dreamed about this day happening but I realistically couldn't really have predicted it and so some days can happen like that unexpectedly in really good ways. Others it can happen in not so good ways, you know, losing a loved one, losing a job, something breaking irreplicably, losing something, an actual disaster happening. But the resounding sort of common theme between what happens in our future is that it's sometimes unexpected and oftentimes out of our control, but we, we can't stop tomorrow happening. We can't stop the future coming. And the series we've been looking at in this morning is called Where Your Treasure Is, And we've been looking into what the Bible says about how we should respond to and deal with money. And today the title on what what I'm preaching on is called Tomorrow Matters. And I really want us to think about what the Bible says about preparing for the future, both the expected and unexpected future, and how we can apply that to our money habits. So as my Ed Sheeran story shows, we can never truly know what the future will bring. <laughs> we can guess, we can speculate, and some things we can expect to happen, but we can never really truly know. But tomorrow does matter. In a biblical sense, as we'll see in a minute, preparing for the future matters. But also in a personal sense, we want to be you know, diligent and try to make sure that we'll be okay in the future. It's a natural human reaction to try and secure a future that's favourable for us. But there is a biblical way to consider tomorrow and the future and how our actions today have an impact on that. And that's what I want to dive into today. And I also want to be really frank and apply this to a financial lens as well. This whole series has been geared towards encouraging us to think about our financial situation and how we can make sure that that aligns with our faith as well. And as a society, we can be quite closeted or have a bit of a stiff upper lip when it comes to being vulnerable about our finances. But I want to hit on the nose today that at our age, in our 20s and early 30s, or whatever age it is, finances are incredibly important. But there's a way to deal with them that honours God, it honours Him as our provider, and allows us to be governed by God and not in in our finances and not by fear. So, first, I want to have a little bit of a look at what the Bible says um, about thinking about and preparing about in the future it can be quite often easy to fall into this trap of an idea that we only live moment to moment, and every single moment and every single decision needs to be consulted on. So we don't plan ahead, and we just expect the answer to be given, us, given to us in the here and now, and then we live life just moment by moment. And sometimes we are called to live life like that. Sometimes we feel that God asks us to live somewhere or live in some way. That means we can't really plan ahead, and we do just have to trust him. Sometimes there's moments in life where mental health or lack of resources or other issues just get in the way and living moment to moment is all that we can do. So I'm not dismissing that at all. But in other scenarios of our life, if we live fixated on every single current moment, we struggle to look ahead. And God created us to make decisions. And so he created us to make decisions that will have an impact on our future as well. Even though we don't have control of the future, he allows us to make decisions based on what we think might lie ahead. But because of this fixation on the idea that God doesn't want us to plan ahead, we can actually miss out on some pretty important parts in the Bible that actually encourage us to do that, to plan ahead. And it gives us the wisdom on how to prepare for the future. So if we look at um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, this is quite a common passage, but I'm going to read through it anyways. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these.' If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. And so this passage quite clearly talks about what our attitudes should be towards tomorrow. But if we actually read into it, it doesn't say don't prepare for tomorrow. It says don't worry about tomorrow. There might be an eventuality where planning, despite planning and preparation, something could happen tomorrow that means we are without clothes, without things to eat or without things to drink. And God will absolutely protect us through that. So we don't need to worry about tomorrow. It also says don't run after these things. So we need to look at where we put our devotion and our worship but it doesn't mean that we squander away, squander away the resources and the time that we have today without thought. If you're ever in need of some like cracking nuggets of wisdom, Proverbs is absolutely rammed full of them. It's like our life manual. If you're stuck and need to be told of what the Bible thinks of a certain habit or a certain thing in life, Proverbs is a good place to start. And it's absolutely stuff full of advice and wisdom of how we should treat planning for the future. So I'm just going to pick out a few of them. For example, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 to 5 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in the summer is a prudent son, but he, he who sleeps in the harvest is a son who brings shame. Basically, the writer is saying it's good, it's good to work and build up resources and use them well. When society was in a phase of growing crops and harvesting them, they would harvest all of the crops in the summer, and those crops would last them the whole year or at least a certain period of the year. If they squandered that time and didn't plan their summers to prepare for the future, they would starve or have nothing to sell to earn a living. So the Bible teaches us that it is prudent to think about the future. Again, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 to 8 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. In our society, we've sort of lost this sense of delayed gratitude. Everything around us is on demand, whether it's films on Netflix to being able to eat strawberries out of season. It means we've lost sight of having to put in work today to make sure we can feed ourselves tomorrow. In another bit of the Bible, Paul, who is another person to look to for some really sound advice. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 to 19, he says... Paul sets in motion this consistent message that we see throughout the Bible that wealth and preparation of our resources is not bad. We just need to use it well and use it to honor God. And lastly, Proverbs 27, chapter 1, says, uh, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And similarly, Ecclesiastes 11:2 2 says, give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you for you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. Now I know I've just thrown a ton of Bible verses at you, and if you're someone like me who has a short-term memory like a sieve, you'll forget them in a few minutes. But I just wanted to show you that all throughout the Bible, God speaks to us about about planning for the future. The Bible is also incredible that it never contradicts itself. Across sixty-six books, there is never a contradiction. These verses might make you stop in your tracks and say, well, hang on a minute, I think there is a contradiction. You're telling me that the Bible says to be diligent and plan for the future, but it also says that God holds the future, not us, and we have, we have no idea what it holds and what's in, and in store, and we shouldn't store up our treasures on earth. Well, yes, that is what it says, but I don't think that's a contradiction. It's true, we don't know what the future holds, and that is in God's control, but he still asks us to be practical and to steward the resources that we have. The answer to prayers of provisions and hard times in the future might be in the moments of abundance that we have now and to be diligent and to think about how to prepare for tomorrow and for the future. The answer also comes in finding a way to balance how our hearts treat money as well. As I said earlier, we've been doing this series in regards to our money and how we should react and think about money. So now that we've established that it is quite biblical not to worry or try and control what comes ahead, but at least to plan and prepare and consider the future, I want to apply that to how we use our finances to do that. And the Bible is also quite vocal about that as well. If we look to the story of Joseph, it's actually a really good illustration of the kind of attitude we need to have to our resources. For a little background on the story, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, taken to Egypt, and um, he ended up rising in the ranks as a slave until he became master of Potiphar's house, and he was one of the most important men in Egypt. He was then thrown into jail for something he didn't do um, but Joseph was known to be someone who had dreams from God and could also interpret dreams from God and whilst in jail he interpreted two dreams one for a baker one for a cup bearer, and both came true the cup bearer ended up getting released went back to working with Pharaoh but forgot about Joseph. Pharaoh then had a dream where he was standing by the Nile River and seven plump cows came out with the river and fed on the grass and then seven skinny and ugly cows came up after that and ate the seven attractive plump cows Pharaoh also had another dream that represented the same scenario, but it was with um, stalks of grain. And then the cupbearer remembered Joseph could interpret dreams, and so they got Joseph to come and interpret the dream. And this is where we pick up, and it's from Genesis chapter 41, verse 25. So I'm just going to read this little passage here. It says Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years. And so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming through the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held and reserved for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by famine. And As the story goes on, Joseph was the one appointed to kind of run all of that and oversee that. And so we have an example right here of where people actually did get a glimpse into what was going to happen in the future And although we know God is a provider and can do amazing things, the actual provision that God gave in that time was this wisdom that he's given to Joseph. It was the wisdom to prepare him um, and to save the country's resources in that time of famine. Now, you might be thinking, how likely is it that we're going to be hit with a time of famine? Not very likely, thankfully. But I'm sure we can all have a think of some time in our lives where we've been caught short by lack of preparation or where we have been prepared and it's really been needed. I'm going to give a recent scenario that happened to me. So to set the scene, my family lives in Aberdeen, which is about a seven-hour drive away from here, not a great drive. Now, if my um, husband and I had been prepared when thinking ahead of this journey that we were going to make for New Year's Eve, we would have checked our tyres before the hour that we were about to leave Manchester. And we would have noticed before we were just about to leave Manchester that one of our tyres was worn down pretty much to the legal limit. And we didn't really have any other options for getting tyres changed um, that day and we still wanted to get to Scotland on time so we drove and we just decided that we would get tyres changed in Aberdeen Um, now this was over New Year's and if you didn't know Scotland has two bank holidays off over New Year's which is great Um, so the only day that the tyre shops were open was the day we were planning to leave Aberdeen and come back to Manchester and the only tyre shop that was open was Halfords and if you own a car you know that the moment you step into Halfords you are in for a rip-off so we checked the car in and the first issue was that they didn't have the tyres in they had to order them in fine delayed us a couple hours but we were still in good time Then we went back to the shop two hours later and we were told it was not one of our tyres that was near the legal limit, but it was actually one that was near the legal limit and two that were below the legal limit and they were essentially not going to give us the keys back until we paid for all of the tyres to be changed. So I've never been in a hostage situation, but my car has. Um, (laughs) So a few hours later, because they also had to order these tyres in and a few hundred pounds down because, yes, we did get completely ripped off by Holford's. We were back on the way to England just six hours later and um, the day was now turning into a very, very long day. But as we were sitting in the car reflecting, we were just thinking about a couple of things. Firstly, that yeah, we weren't very prepared in our car preparations to travel, and we've learned our lesson. Secondly, but we were very, very, very thankful that over the past few years, we've become people that save and have set aside money for emergencies like this. Now, in the grand scheme of things, this might be incomparable to some situations that people come across that have massive impacts on their lives and finances. It's also could be incomparable to some of the things I'll touch upon later. You know, like a few hundred pounds isn't going to mean you're set up for retirement. But in hindsight, it did put us in a place where we were able to honour God with our situations and our finances. And I'm so thankful for that. We didn't have to rely on others for money, which is absolutely fine when needed. And I've been there many times, but not having to do that is, is a massive blessing. And having money there meant it didn't impact our day-to-day expenses. It didn't impact our monthly giving, for example. We didn't have to take away from that, um, from that part of our expenses. It didn't impact our stress as much as, we could, as it could have done. Stress for me can sometimes become a real distraction from God, but past me had prepared for the future and I was able to keep control of my emotions because of it. It gave me just a slight glimpse of putting into practice the importance of making preparations with our finances today to be ready for what might come in the future. Now there's two ends to the spectrum of this that we have to be careful about but each kind of tells of a different state of of our heart when we think about it. Sometimes we can sit at one end where we do just live moment to moment not preparing for the future. Now again I'm not referring to people who are called to do what God wants them to do and as a result have to live moment by moment or those who simply don't have the resources to do more than just live moment by moment Um, but what I mean is just blindly making it through life, spending without thought not realizing that money is finite and there will come a time where you know someone gets ill and all of a sudden there's no income or you could go to retirement and all of a sudden there's no pension or it could be a broken tire and all of a sudden you're cutting into money that you don't have when we live like this and I can guarantee myself included that I've been there it 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 reflects that we don't recognize that what we have is a gift from God James chapter one says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above we're not honouring God by not using it for things to create a life that is healthy and and enables us to respond in times of need to ourselves but to others as well God does provide but sometimes the provision for the future can be found in our diligence with our money today but the flip side also isn't great again going back to Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So there's a great uncle in my family called Uncle Brian, and I didn't know him at all. He didn't really... Um, he was quite a secluded sort of character, so didn't really interact with family. But he recently... Um, he died at the beginning of last year, and my auntie and grandparents went to clear out his house, and they had no idea that he was a hoarder. No one had any clue until they opened the front door, and there was literally just a pathway from the door to this seat where he sat, ate, slept, everything... Um, and so they were clearing through the stuff, um, and they came across, like, just some kind of rubbish things, like books that didn't really mean anything, but they kept finding these, like, really old, retro, and quite, like, fancy radios, they came across one, they came across two, and by the end of it, they had 15 of these, like, radios that were just, like, sat fresh in boxes, and the more they kind of went through, the more they realised, and put two and two together, that, basically this uncle was a bit of a bargain hunter but something that makes me laugh about people who love a bargain is it's it's not a bargain to get a good price radio if you've got 10 of them at home it's not a bargain to buy shoes that you know are down a couple hundred pounds if you're still spending 500 pounds on them each to their own but uncle brian was definitely a hoarder and just held on to things and didn't didn't think of anything else to do And hoarding can come down to a mental condition and that's something completely different to deal with. But sometimes we can see these tendencies in our lives where we begin to hold on to things and not give them over to God. And that can be in a practical financial material sense as well. Hoarding can reflect a heart of greed, not wanting to give away. uh, Or a heart that doesn't want to share or a heart that doesn't just want to enjoy and honour what God has given us to use. We mustn't depend on wealth by storing it just endlessly in fear. We have to depend on God and and follow what what he's asked us to use our money for. So we need to strike that balance. The money is there to be used for enjoyment, for emergency backups, for a retirement plan. And so we do need to store it for that because where the money is, it's, it's to be used and to be used for God's glory, even if that using is in the future. But we also have to be practical today about how we manage that money and make it available for tomorrow and for the future it's also really important to look at what inspires our heart to save and to manage our money is it fear is it total material practicality and you know it can change over time with different stages of the life that we're in but it's not good if our heart doesn't care about honoring what god has given us and letting what he's given us bless us today but also bless our futures as well but it's also not good if we live in fear and just hold everything close to our heart that also doesn't honor god who blesses us with what we have but asks us to share it and to enjoy it and to use it well Psalm 62 verse 10 says though your riches increase do not set your heart on them our heart shouldn't be in the money our heart should be listening to what God wants us to do with it and as we've had a sift through the Bible it's quite clear that to save and to be diligent with our finances faithfully is something that God wants us to do it honors him to be careful and to save as well as the other money habits that we have in our life as well. And so the past preachers in this series have looked at a few different topics. So first one was less is more, you know, setting up our hearts not to obey money but to obey God. Stress is bad, again, setting up our hearts to trust God and not trust money. And giving is good, so sharing and being generous with our money. But by adopting this mindset that tomorrow and the future matters and that we need to take care of our money, it lets us carry out those other principles. For example, if we save for our benefit, it means we can be freed up to serve others. If we save for retirement, we can still be serving God in our 60s, well, most likely 70s for us, whilst being self-sufficient. And I'm not saying that at all that we need money to be able to serve God. God can work with or without money, with or without financial stability, but it does honour God to recognise that our money is a gift from him and it opens up doors for us, but for others as well. Sometimes God's provision for us later in life is through our actions today. And we can shy away from trying to be financially stable because we're worried about dwelling even on the thought of money too much. Um, you've probably heard this verse quite a bit, but in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. But let's not forget that it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money used faithfully and in line with the wisdom that Jesus and the Bible gives can be used for God's glory. And saving is a habit that's included in that as well. The misinterpretation of this verse can cause us not to want to hold on to any money, but this doesn't have to be the case. These verses show us that saving is biblical. And as I said before, the Bible is never contradictory, so we do have to balance that with a heart that the Bible speaks about, of not storing up treasures on earth and to have a heavenly perspective on wealth, that wealth is a gift from God to be used well. And saving is a form of using it well. We're just maybe delaying that using for the future. And we go through different chapters in our life. There'll be times when we don't save because obeying God in that moment requires the money elsewhere. There'll be times when we're not able to save. But whilst we're in this moment, it would be so good for us to look at where we can save, where we're at with our money um, and how we can prepare for the future with that and to really listen to God on where he wants us to be with that as well. So as we draw into a close, I just want to take a minute to talk about how this can look practically in our lives. Again, I love that with this series we're able to be really transparent. We sort of step over that intimidation of talking about our finances and we bring into light ways that we can support each other to live out our finances biblically. So first things first, saving takes time and sacrifice. If you think about Joseph's situation, there were probably a lot of people who thought Joseph was being stupid and that it was unnecessary to put away all of those crops in the seven good years. But those would have been the same people that came to rely on those savings in the seven years of famine. And saving isn't an overnight success looks like a lot of thought and planning and commitment it also means delaying gratitude sometimes something that I find really hard in our society and it can be really intimidating to know how to start saving or what you're saving for and it looks totally different from each person but I just want to mention a few to get them in your head some really practical ways that um, that you can maybe think about how you're going to be saving and planning for your future saving could be for the expected future and the unexpected future In our expected future, have we thought about saving for retirement? You know, we want to be able to sustain ourselves during retirement. Having retirement money frees up stress and other resources to be able to live a life of enjoyment, but also one that serves God. Saving for the future could allow us to bless the next generation. And I can't tell you the exact numbers off the top of my head, but the amount of money that we put into our savings in our earlier years of life, you know, our 20s and early 30s, and letting compound interest gain money on it is incomparable to any other decade in our lives. So if that's something that you feel like would set you up well for your future, it's important to start thinking about it now. It could look like a multitude of other things. Saving for the unexpected moments, for the Tyre and Holford situation. Saving could look like having the money to bless someone in a time of need. And it looks totally different for each person. And even though I'm up here standing about it, it's something that I have to learn about and I have to ask God about every single time because the journey is never going to be perfect. Um, It's never going to be done perfectly. Um, I do love a good spreadsheet though. So also don't feel alone in this. If it's something that we want to be open about and share about, we want to encourage each other and point each other towards God and how he wants us to be really practical um, with our finances. Um, But something that, Preparing this preach has taught me is to look for the Bible and see that God does want us to be diligent with our future, and I think it does apply to our finances. And I'm also thankful that God gives us peace as well. That we do know that whatever comes tomorrow, there is peace. Because I'm not going to leave today, sort of saying you need to go and have your retirement sorted, you need to get a house, and this and that and the other. It might not look like that for you, and you might try that and it might not work. But God, um, God is with you through that, through the failures and the good bits as well. Um, but I just I hope that I've been able to show you that thinking about the future and about tomorrow is biblical. Jesus talks a lot in the New Testament about money and it reiterates the same ethos. Our treasure is in heaven, but money is a gift that God gives to be used well. But there's no perfect way to do it. I love a budget and, and, and savings great, but sometimes that can fail as well. Jesus doesn't expect perfection and God always wants to make right out of a wrong so what can help us in this is to, know, is to know Jesus and to listen to how he prompts us to use our money and if that's saving, um, to listen and, and act on those prompts as well. The Bible is one way he speaks to us, but also Jesus can minister, us, minister to us as well. So I also want to encourage us to get to know Jesus more, ask him about money. You know, money can be this big practical saving thing as well, but let's also make it a really spiritual thing as well. Let's ask Jesus where he wants us to be using our money.